the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we do so with our dear friend Sam Stone. Sam Stone is a political consultant in town. He also co-hosts his own radio show, heard right here every Saturday at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. I saw you guys got some fancy new headgear going, Sam. Well done. A little jealous. We, we we've got we've got beautiful hats now. I don't know. Chuck Chuck went all in on this one. You got swag. Great hats. You got swag. We got swag. We got swag. Yeah, I don't have that, so I, I'm going to have to talk to the suits upstairs or the shirts upstairs. I, I don't know. If you need help with a logo or something, let us know because apparently, you know, Jamie, our girl, she did a great job with this. Yeah, they're they good looking hats. They're good. Yeah. If people want them, uh, they go to ba- Breaking Battlegrounds or go to your Substack or what's yeah, the best if they, one? Yeah, if they go to our, our Substack or our website at BreakingBattlegrounds.vote, um, I would tell them to shoot us a direct message on good. Twitter, yeah. but we get about 300 direct messages on Twitter each day. Yeah. And they are all spam. Is that right? Oh, my goodness, it's crazy. Like, literally, all these, like, spam bot, you know, like, cam girl spam bots or whatever. Really? I don't even understand this thing. But they're like, oh, hey, sexy. We need you. We <laughs> are need you sure it's connect. spam? Sam, are you sure I'm it's like, spam? I'm like, <laughs> are you sure it's spam? I'm like, yeah, well, they're not talking to me. They're like, hey, Battlegrounds. I'm like, okay, wait, this just got into a really, really weird situation now. Chuck and I are not like that. Okay. No, I know you guys are not. Okay, <laughs> okay fair enough. A week ago at this hour, Sam, you and I were walking into the studio and we were thinking, gosh, all this talk about the indictment of Donald Trump is probably going to amount to nothing, at least for another month or so. And then we sat down at the mics, we turned on the TV and son of a gun, exactly this time a week ago, breaking news, Donald Trump was indicted. That was only a week ago. And uh, we had to just kind of do some quick reshaping of all of our thinking. And you were right, of course. Uh, when we talked about it last week, we didn't know what the what the what the uh, statute was that he would be found in violation of or indicted on. And you were right; it was that uh, fraudulent business records statute. Uh, the week has now uh, been seven days, and of course, he was arraigned on uh, Tuesday. Any any thoughts? I mean, you know, it's hard to think of something new to say, but I haven't heard you say it. So, anything you want, feel free. Well, I, I think the only thing I will add is, is there's sort of, to me, two dynamics to this now. This one, I think 52, there was a poll I saw yesterday, I think 52% of people said that they viewed this as a purely political attack on Donald Trump, and, and clearly that is the case. Um, I'm surprised it's only 52%, but that tells you what a news bubble we're living in right yeah, now. Yeah. Um you know, the the interesting thing, is, and we don't know yet, is how this may change the calculus of the potential other cases that are out there. And those cases, quite frankly, are being brought um, by people who are equally as zealous and equally as, as uh, disregard the law equally as much as, as Alvin Bragg is doing to, to put forward these charges. But they may have more substance to them. The Georgia charges 
I've heard some people say, you know, look, it's just bunk. The transcript of the, the conversation doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Right. Um, and that may well be true, but I do think it's very difficult. Um, the, you know, the timeline in our legal system means that these things may just be entering into court about the time this presidential race heats up. And yeah, January is a voting. big. Yeah, right. He's supposed to be in court in New York in, in December. January is a big, big month, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think with the media bubble that that a lot of people live in, left and right, um, but particularly on the left, you really don't get a lot, you know, unless you watch Fox News, unless you watch conservative alternative media, you really don't hear the other side of the story at all. Mm -hmm. And that is a majority of the country that doesn't do that. So those folks are going to be, you know, looking at casting a ballot in the near future with a contender, potentially, who is under indictment in three different states. Right. That's that's a pretty daunting thing for Trump at that point. Really daunting. I was talking with Brett Johnson yesterday. You you know of Brett, uh, election constitutional uh, lawyer over at Snell and Wilmer, and he was saying um, uh, he was saying you know the fly I wanted to be on the wall of he said was in the prosecutor's offices at either in either Georgia or in um, in the uh, special prosecutor's office or in Letitia James's office, the attorney general in New York. He said because there is a possibility that Bragg's case ruins their cases or harms or hurts or makes more difficult their cases on a number of levels. Uh, One is in the court of public opinion. He said you usually bring your strongest case first. You don't bring your weakest one first and then turn everyone against the uh, against the prosecution. But as a matter of law, he said, you know, for Bragg to win this case, he's going to have to bring everything he has and can because we know how flimsy it is, that could very well mean having to use the same witnesses some of these other uh, prosecutors were thinking of using, and they won't want to testify without some kind of an immunity deal. And that could, I mean, it's it's all very remote and speculative, but he said, if I'm a prosecutor in, in one of these three other jurisdictions looking at Trump, I'm pretty upset at Alvin Bragg today. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I- I don't disagree with that take at all, at all. In fact, so we, um, Good Friday obviously being tomorrow, right. uh, we were not able for our show to get into the studio tomorrow to be able to record as we normally do on Fridays. We did that this morning, and we had Dan McLaughlin, uh-huh. um, a senior writer for National Review mm-hmm. Online. Yeah. Highly recommend folks check out. He's got three pieces out so far on this Trump indictment. They really do a great job of breaking everything down. Highly recommend people go check those out. Um, you can get him at Baseball Crank on Twitter and, and find him there. Um, he's got two more coming out that really go into this. And, I mean, he lays it out that this is this is stretching it in such a way that it is absolutely going to impact those other cases. And it, it just makes it that much tougher um, for anybody, because Bragg's show, he clearly did this. I mean, this is a campaign event, what he's doing. It's a campaign event for whatever the office is that he's running for next. And we don't know what that is, but I'm sure we'll find out soon, right? Um, and they don't even need a, a real conviction of Trump. I mean, one of the reasons I think you've seen 34 charges thrown up is that they're hoping one will stick. No right. matter how minor, no matter how insignificant it is. He's hoping one will stick. So he threw the spaghetti against the wall. If one sticks, then that's going to be his next campaign. 
that, of course, is true. Um, they used to say every senator looks in the mirror and sees a president. That's probably true of every publicly elected uh, prosecutor in the Manhattan in, in big cities like Manhattan. That's probably true too. Or maybe they look in the mirror and see mayor or governor um, staring back at them. There's no question about that. There are a few other interesting angles to this, though. I think I don't remember if it was you or someone else. It might have been you. I think it was you, Sam. Feel free to you know dis disabuse us of this if this is not your view. But I thought it was you who said that Alvin Bragg probably wouldn't have done this without uh, a nod uh, from some other crowned Democrat, perhaps a Chuck, a Chuck Schumer or someone like that. Um, that you wouldn't do something this big without a higher up in the Democratic Party giving you the okay on it. Um, I and and I, I whether that that was your view or well, still is or isn't, um, I do believe that to be true. I don't think Alvin Bragg would have done this without some permission from some higher up. Uh, so that wasn't me that okay. said that, but I don't disagree okay. at all. And I would add, this is one of those cases where. I, and I'm just throwing this pure speculation, Seth. I have no proof for what I'm about to say at all. I don't think Schumer or anyone of of substance would tell Alvin Bragg to go ahead with this, especially knowing okay. that they had um, these other two cases, which are potentially far stronger, yeah, okay. and, or at least potentially somewhat legitimate, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think he would do that. But what's interesting is you never know with this White House who's making the decision or who might have said yes to that. I mean, I could absolutely see word coming from the White House that was not, you know, whatever committee exists within that building at yeah. this point that yeah. is making the decisions for a president who is largely not there. Right. Um, I don't I wouldn't assume that that committee as a whole sees every decision. So they might you know, he might have called his contact there and gotten yeah. a yeah, go ahead yeah. um, when the whole committee might have come back differently. I, I've heard a lot of Democrats and I've talked to a lot of Democrats behind the scenes who are saying, you know, we wanted to go after Trump on the Georgia thing. We wanted to go after Trump on a lot of stuff but we did not want to go after him on this. This is really ridiculous. You're also opening a can of worms for so many business people and politicians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you are. paid off women over, <laughs> yeah. over this stuff. And given a lot of uh, prosecutorial, um, shall we say, green lights to district attorneys in uh, red districts. Yeah, let, I'd love let, to talk about yeah, that. Let's, yeah, let's about. talk about that. And the other thing I want to talk about, which is this three-dimensional chess the Democrats may be playing, which is this idea that they hope this propels Trump to the nomination because they see Trump as the easier person to beat. Let's take all that into the stew as well when we come back, Sam. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Sam Stone, and we'll be right back. Refried dreams. Welcome back to the <laughs> Seth Leveson Show. I'm Seth. He is Sam Stone. He is, among other things, the host of this show. Heard every Saturday afternoon here, breaking uh, battlegrounds every Saturday at 3 p.m. He's a political consultant. Sam, uh, uh, still talking about the uh, aftershocks of the indictment. Uh, green lights to prosecutors in red counties and red districts to start taking some Democratic Party scalps. Uh, not not only a green light, Seth, but I would actually, and, and I'm, I'm, it's funny we're talking about this because I was literally right before this penning a column uh -huh. uh, about this. 
Uh, I don't think it's merely a green light. I think it's a mandate. Mm, mm. Um, their Democrats are not going to stop. Uh, these Soros-aligned prosecutors, that, that's where all of this is coming from, somewhere around 2019, 2020, um, but then accelerating with the COVID crisis and the aftermath and, and all the government response to it. Yeah. Uh, Democrats have taken to weaponizing the law in a way that is entirely new in American history that really resembles, uh, as you and I have talked about, banana republic right. kind of government. Um, and they're not going to stop by us being gentlemen. Or gentlewoman. I mean, they're just not, because we are, we continue to be that, and they haven't. We need to go after them uh, tomorrow. I mean, I, well, I guess not Friday for the new Hold it <laughs> Monday. Hold it Monday. <laughs> we'll give hold them a holy Monday. day of, of uh, yeah. prayer, yeah. Okay. But, but somebody, should, um, somebody should take before a grand jury in Oklahoma or Texas, the deepest red part of Alabama they can find, an indictment against Hunter Biden, yeah. Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden's brother, everybody involved in that. Um, they should do indictments on the intelligence um, intelligence leaders, uh, you know, who stood up and vouched for the Russia collusion narrative they knew was false, and then uh, dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop. Those people should be charged in court. Um, every one of them. And obviously, the law doesn't really matter. The rules don't really matter. What you're charging them with doesn't really matter whether they did it or not. Make life inconvenient. Um, yeah, just look, we're just going to have to go out and do this to them mm-hmm. until both sides agree to, to back down. Mm-hmm. And it's a mu- mutual unilateral agreement that yep. both sides uphold. Yep. Um, there cannot be any more boundaries. We have to stop playing. And I hate I hate, hate, hate myself sitting here saying this. But I do. I do not like saying this. But the I question is, what else is going to stop them? What else? I mean, I, I, I don't. Right. I, I see nothing else. They we say they go. say give us more Republicans like Mitt Romney. We give you Mitt Romney. They say he's going to put blacks in chains. I mean, what more do they want us to do? Right. Yeah, no, there is no appeasing. Right. There's no appeasing them on any of this. There's no playing ball with them on any of this. They have completely jumped the shark. And it's up to us now to treat them like they treat us. And we're going to have to do that until both sides agree to back down or we agree to, you know, I, I'm still a big believer in a um, a federalist, uh, you know, rollback of, of the federal government and allow states to uh, to have their laws and to live lives red and blue very separately. Yeah. That may be the future in this country. Anyone who talks about civil war has no idea how horrid that would be in a modern age. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, look, we've reached the point where we have to, we have to throw out the norms because they've thrown out the norms. Well, that's right. If they don't like hearing people like Marjorie Greene saying things like national separation, um, if they don't like that, then they ought to quit destroying and ripping up the constitution. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and it's not just the constitution too. It's this idea that all of a sudden traditional values right, right. are somehow not just, you know, politically inconvenient for the left, which they've been for a long time and we know that, but now they're they're actually trying to make them be illegal, right? Right. right. And so, you know, look, they're, they're, you've got to Republicans, conservatives, people of faith have to put their foot down and stand for the things they believe and right now that's going to be a very uncomfortable thing to do because we're essentially being required by the left to match their level of incivil, of incivility and of 
the forces of destruction that they've been unleashing, we have to match. And and that's a tough thing because that's not something Republicans like you and me or, or most of the people out there listening uh, right now want to be involved in. We're, we're Yeah, no, I have had, as uh, maybe you have had, again, don't ever let me speak for you. You can always feel free to contradict me. But I have had a romantic view of politics, the view that says people are persuadable and convincible. And I had a long discussion with a mutual friend of ours the other day where we're just not sure if that's true anymore. I don't know. It's got to be true to some level, but I I, I don't know if it's as true as it might once have been. Are people open to argument? Are they open to debate? You wouldn't think so by looking at 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 the scene of the land right now, whether you're at Stanford Law School or other places where they shout you down and shut you up. Um, but are are people open to a reasoned debate? Are people open to us holding their hands and walking them into the Republican Party or the Republican Party's voter registration rolls? I don't know anymore, Sam. I'm I'm getting a little discouraged about it. Uh, I I am very discouraged, and and I actually will go back to um, a, a bill with the legislature in you know here in Arizona that yeah. I testified on a few months ago which was part of a platform we had built for Cary Lake, which uh, was getting rid of rental tax. Right. Um, which, you know, look, rental taxes, I, I, don't, I don't care what you think of taxes as a whole. You'd be better off to raise the property tax rate or the sales tax rate, things that affect everybody, than continuing to have this rental tax, which targets people who are already the most vulnerable among us. Yep. It's a very regressive tax. I go down, I speak on it, and obviously I am very well-versed on this issue, who it affects, how it affects, which cities it is. And we also know that right now Arizona is literally awash in cash, and due to some changes in the funding formula, all these cities throughout Arizona are about to get a windfall of cash, far more than any of them would lose by getting rid of this. So I go down to the legislature, make this argument, make all all the various arguments. And then you have this Democrat state senator from Tucson, you know, young man, obviously very well educated, completely pretends that none of those arguments could possibly be valid, talks over it in the opposite direction and just shoots it down. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, that said everything, because here's somebody who if you if you listen to the words they said when they're campaigning and what they've said on that, you know, you're, what you're speaking to should be absolutely, you know, uh, it, it should speak to their soul yep. that you're trying to that do something think. that specifically helps the poorest people who live right. in our society. Right. But they don't care. Yeah. They, they don't even, they don't even consider the argument. All that's considered is, well, this is a bill being put up by a Republican and I'm a Democrat and it's about winning and losing. It's not about doing the right thing. So I'm going to come out and attack them. Let me hold you there and pick up on that on the way back on the other side of the break, if I can, Sam, because I want to, I want to, I want to pr- chase this down just a little bit further with you. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Sam Stone of Breaking Battlegrounds. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant here in uh, in the Valley and uh, host of the Breaking Battlegrounds, co-host of the Breaking Battlegrounds Show. You can hear it every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Great guests, always great conversation. Sam, as to whether Democrats are open to persuasion about our point of view, 
one question. Feel free to finish up on on your on your uh, on your story if you want, or on 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 your analysis if you like. But then there's another question about independence as well. Arizona's kind of unique in the sense that we have more people registered, so to speak, independent, which is to say non-affiliated, than R or D. I blame ourselves a little bit for that. I blame Republicans for that. If they're, I mean, obviously there are in that group of independents or non-registered, non, uh, non, uh, non-partisan registered uh, voters. Some of them are Republicans. Some of them are Democrats. But the Democrats that leave the Democratic Party, it's our fault that they're not. I think it's our fault that they're not signing up with the Republican Party. Anyway, take it any way you want. Well, I, I mean. I think it is and it isn't. I mean, I think it is in terms of we're not doing anything to, to reach out to them, right. and therefore it is our fault. Yeah. Um, I think it isn't in that there are certain things. I mean, what we're finding is that a lot of people are being turned off by how ridiculous the Democrat Party has gotten, right. understandably, right? right. Um, just like there are, are a fair number of people, let's be honest. Um, who are leaving the Republican Party yep. because they don't like the you know the MAGA movement and, and right. make America first, Donald Trump, what have you? Um, and Democrats aren't doing a good job of going after them, right. and they're not reaching out to them either. So there there is a limitation that's coming from ourselves. But the other limitation is how do I reach out to a Democrat who may leave the Democrat Party because they don't buy into transgenderism, right? But they're still a hundred percent for unlimited legal abortion, right? Bill Maher, right? Right? Yeah. No. I mean, exactly right. Like, I, 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 I can go get that guy to maybe swing vote from time to time, but I can't get him to come over on our side, right? You know, that's that's the problem you have. And um, you know, there was some new data out today that even though more and more people are becoming registered independents, most of those people have a party affiliation yeah, underlying of that, of course. Of course. Of course, that's right. The abortion thing, it's 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 an interesting one. And I I, I, this is the first week I have heard serious conservatives start saying we need to reexamine some of the some of the legislation that we're proposing on abortion in the various states. The Wisconsin Supreme Court election was a bit of a wake up call. Um, some legislatures, no question, are going far way idiotically overboard, like in South Carolina. But, you know, even even people like Ann Coulter are saying, take the win of reversing Roe versus Wade and leave it alone. I'm not quite there quite yet, I have to tell you. I mean, I just think we haven't done a very good job as a pro-life movement, or we in the pro-life movement haven't done a very good job, Republican candidates haven't done a very good job of explaining what, well, the Mississippi law was, or for that matter, the Arizona law. Fifteen weeks. People, most people say they're 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 for a first first trimester abortion legality. First fifteen weeks gets you into the te- second trimester. Seems like a lot of Republicans want to run, run away from that stuff and not try and explain it. But maybe you will tell me that once we're explaining it, we're already done. I don't know. Well, I I, I mean I I wish we were better at it. Um, I wish we were better at explaining our positions. I wish we were better at advertising our positions. But let me ask you this. Do you think any Republican in this country should be confused at this point um, over whether or not Ron DeSantis's bill to limit sex education uh, from third grade and under, whether that bill was about don't say gay for students all the way through high school? No Republican is confused on that. Oh, 
Am I wrong? So you, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. Totally, Am I wrong? Totally wrong. Yeah, oh, no, oh, wow. I, okay. All right. I, because, because of this presidential election coming up, yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with people who are not Donald Trump Republicans, right? Yeah. And they are coming up to me saying, hey, you know, where are you on this? Blah, blah, blah. Wow. And I say, you know, listen, I, I'm, I, I like Trump. I like a lot of what he did, but I also love Ron DeSantis. And they said, well, yeah, I'd get behind DeSantis, except that he banned. Okay, so we have a, Repu- about- oh my gosh, we have a Republican Stockholm syndrome problem where too many Republicans are already buying the CNN and MSNBC. Let me take the narrative. Let me take the break and come back on that. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're attuned to that, Sam. I was assuming that most Republicans are more informed about these things. And that the general gloss, the the general tone, the general uh, ether that is breathed out by CNN wasn't affecting or infecting the thoughts of Republicans or at least Republican inclined voters. And you're telling me we have a we have a party within the House. The phone call is coming from within the House, so to speak. Let's pick up on that when we come back. I'm Seth. He's Sam. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. He's the co-host of Breaking Battlegrounds, heard every Saturday right here on 960 AM at 3 PM. Great show. Sam, I was, so you're telling me, I, this, this was a population I was, I, I was ignorant of. Um, but now it explains more and more to me as I'm thinking about it that for a lot of Republicans, the mainstream media narrative is a phone call coming from within the House. They, they're, they're, they're buying into uh, the derogations against uh, whether it be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. A lot of them are susceptible to it and have bought into it, per, for example, that don't say gay legislation. So to speak. It's, it's a shocking number wow. that I have been wow. running into wow. who don't, you know, don't know this and, and maybe don't know a lot of facts about Trump as well. I mean, even among Republicans, you still find a lot of Republicans that think he called white supremacists yeah. uh, in Charlottesville very fine people. Yeah. You know, as we know, he absolutely did not. The transcript refutes that 100 percent. But that's the media narrative that's out there. And even a lot of Republicans have bought into it, Um, you know, and likewise with DeSantis, the same thing is happening. So when you talk about this happening with anybody from a Mitt Romney to a Ron Ron DeSantis to a Donald Trump, I mean, yeah, it is. And that's where I... That's really daunting to me. Yeah. That, I mean, especially that example really hit home because yeah. I was like, my goodness, this bill is incredibly simple right. that he passed. Right. It's incredibly simple to explain. It's just you can't teach sex ed to kids in third grade and under. Yeah. That's, it. That's it. That's the simplest thing on the planet. Right. And it's reasonable as can be. And every time when I tell them that that's what it is, they go, oh, oh, I didn't know it was just that. That's fine. So I, I, in all my work on youth issues, Sam, I often will say that uh, we wouldn't have a youth problem if we didn't have an adult problem. It sounds to me like we wouldn't have a uh, Democratic Party problem if we didn't have a Republican Party problem is what I'm concluding here. Not enough Republicans are doing the hard work of it's not even that hard, but aren't doing enough work to have a skeptical or gimlet eye uh, to the mainstream media narratives about our own team. We're, we're in a low information age, Seth. Yeah. I mean, we really are. There's a subset of voters who are deeply, deeply knowledgeable. And everyone else is, I mean, a, a literal majority in both parties and obviously among independents are, are 
surface voting at most is what I've I've discovered over the years. Interesting. By the way, speaking of Ron DeSantis, uh, there's been a lot of speculation that this indictment of Donald Trump has proven to be a very, very bad week for him that is going to make it very hard for him to dig out of. I'm not so sure, but I wonder what you think about all of that. I think that's a little bit overblown. Okay. Uh, First of all, I mean, so... When you're polling Republicans right now, you're calling up a Republican. You say, hey, I'm, you know, do you support Donald Trump or not? Well, right now with Trump under attack, I do think that drives up his numbers. Whether those are a lasting number or not, I don't believe they are. Mm -hmm. I believe this race. I don't either. I agree with you on that. I don't think it's a lasting number. I agree Um, with you on that. You know, but but I do think that it highlights one of DeSantis' weaknesses, which is DeSantis has proven – he is fantastic. He is beyond fantastic at governing. Yeah. He's done a brilliant job of it. But he's not that great at campaigning. Right, right. And getting his message across. Now, how much does that matter? It depends. It matters less in New Hampshire and Iowa and some of these small states early if you're really there on the ground. Then the question becomes, the other knock on him is that he's not good in person, that he's not personable with people. Um, But we know Donald Trump won't be doing much of the – oh, he'll have some photo ops, but he's not really going to spend days and days and days going, you know. To the Iowa State Fair, yeah, right, 99 counties in Iowa, right. It's not his thing. he's not doing that. Um, DeSantis, you know, has time to do that. He has the ability to go do that. Is he any good at it? And and I would tell folks – ignore national polling right. when it comes to the presidency, when it comes to presidential primaries, when it comes to presidential election. National polling means absolutely nothing. You have to look at polling state by state. And if you look at polling state by state, DeSantis is in a much stronger position than the national polling shows. So this race long from from decided, and this is a minor setback for DeSantis, but it, it's not going to majorly affect the outcome of the race down the road. I didn't get to ask you the thing I teased that I was, but way back in our first segment. If you're advising Joe Biden or if you're Joe Biden's advisors, do you want to run against Donald Trump or do you want to run against Ron DeSantis? Oh, I want to run against Trump 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And that's absolutely, I mean, part of their calculation is if you can build Donald Trump up, we know they've been doing this. We know, for instance, that they spent... And we were actually with with I'll use the example with Carrie Lake's yeah, campaign. Yeah. There was about a million dollars spent by a pack. We had no idea who it was. Oh, was Never it had the any Dems? Uh, it was the Dems. Uh, uh, and we were actually being attacked for it in the press here. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, this is you know, this is so dirty." This oh, dark money for, for, for yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. I'm like, and all of us are sitting there like, I have no idea who this is. I don't. And it turns out it was Democrat dark money. Interesting. And I absolutely think that they're going to be doing that um, in every way they can to try to push Donald Trump forward. Because at the end of the day, Trump did an excellent job as president, but the chaos of his presidency overrides and over and provides flavor to everything he's done. And that is a counterbalance to Joe Biden's decrepit, decrepit, uh, decrepit. Yeah, de- uh, decrepitude. You know what yeah, decrepitude. Yeah, right. Yeah, thank sure. you. That's yeah. the word. I'm to find in <laughs> if I can misuse Gimlet Eye, you can you can get stuck on decrepitude. Yeah. OK. okay. <laughs> so, um, but against that, what you don't want to run against if you're Biden is somebody whose record as a governor 
is brutally fantastic. Yeah, I don't understand the Trump team saying he has no experience to be president, DeSantis. I, I this this makes oh, no sense to me. It's that's just, just nonsensical. Look, it's a non-starter. Look, he has I, more experience I, I, to be president than almost anyone who's run. There are plenty of reasons I could tell somebody to vote for Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Absolutely. But these false attacks yeah. Yeah. are garbage. I hate them. I, I hate, hate them, them, too. I, I don't want our side doing them because, look, being a governor is the best possible preparation for the presidency of course. that there is. Yes. It's the best preparation. And, and a successful governor. governor. And a successful governor. A governor who's yeah. increased votes. A governor who has increased move, people moving to a state. A governor who served in the House of Representatives. A governor with military experience. I mean, it's uh, just, I mean, yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's That's an absurd ridiculous. argument that we're I, writing I have, we're writing the ads for the Dems should he become the nominee. That's what I we're have doing. as much contempt for that argument yeah. as I did for the people who said, well, Trump doesn't have the experience right. to be president right. well the man's a fortune 500 ceo so yep. yes he does yeah you know i'm sorry let's start giving credit where credit is there due, and stop this stop this infighting garbage i will eventually cast a vote probably for one of those two yeah will i be thoroughly happy with either of them or any republican that makes it through the to vote for them in november you bet darn your money i will I mean, we have to stop this garbage on our side and understand we are fighting a war that shouldn't be with each other. Yeah, we should not be confusing who our opposition is. Sam Stone, thank you, sir. Appreciate you spending some of your day with us as always and look forward to talking to you next Thursday. Seth, always a pleasure. All right, brother. God bless. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Folks, with all the problems uh, you think about when you uh, look around for a good investment, especially with the stock market's volatility, Joe Biden at the helm of our country and what's going on with the Fed and the banks, what if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? An investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like, where your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. I'm talking about a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're local. You can meet with them. I know them really well. Trustworthy and honest gang they are. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. As this is Passover and tomorrow being Good Friday, I thought I would end with this from uh, something Dennis Prager uh, brought out of Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson. Dennis Prager asked Jordan Peterson if he believed in God. And Jordan Peterson, have you seen this, Bill? Jordan Peterson said, Who would have the audacity to claim that they believed in God? If they examined the way they lived, who would dare say that? To face things courageously and to tell the truth, to speak the truth and to act it out, that's what it means to believe. That's what it means. It doesn't mean to state it. It means to act it out. And unless you act it out, you should be very careful about claiming belief. And so I've never been comfortable saying anything other than I try to act as if God exists, because God only knows 
what you'd be if you truly believed. I like that. God only knows what you'd be if you truly believed. Dennis Prager put that in his uh, rational Passover Haggadah and um, a quote from Jordan Peterson, who comes from a different uh, faith uh, altogether. And I think that message is one that works well for both uh, our Jewish listeners and our Christian listeners, whether they are celebrating Passover or Good Friday and Easter. I also think about Good Friday as the day that Abraham Lincoln was shot and the great political scientist Clinton Rossiter, who said Abraham Lincoln was the Christ martyr of America's democratic passion play, shot on Good Easter, died on Easter, sorry, shot on Good Friday, died on Easter weekend, a weekend pregnant with meaning. Folks, thanks for spending your week with us. We will have uh, a good show for you tomorrow. It just won't be live. And we will look forward to rejoining you on Monday. Until all that, God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.